And then I, I, I tend to like stop, but that time he just had to put the guitar down and that was, that was it. I didn't, didn't get the cue. So, okay. Um, good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Happy Father's Day uh, to you fathers. Uh, if I remember to do it, we're going to pray for you at the end of the service. Uh, but if you've got your Bibles this morning, go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. Um, uh, I was blessed and encouraged the last two weeks with having Matt Schantz share last week, and then uh, Brother Edgar from uh, Casa Bernabe from the orphanage two weeks ago. Uh, before that, we had been for several weeks in a series in 1 Peter, and we'll, we'll be in 1 Peter, Lord willing, uh, for most of the summer here, and possibly even into the fall this morning. Um, we're just going to be looking at three and a half verses, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through the first part of 7. When I started this week, I was going to try to go 4 through 10, and then I scaled it back to go 4 through 8, um, but there's just so much in here that I felt I needed to scale it back a little bit more and just go 4 through 7. So let me read that, and then I'll pray and we'll get into it. It says this, he says, as you come to him, him being Jesus, a living stone, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, look, behold, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Then just the first part of verse 7, so the honor is for you who believe. Let's pray one more time. Father, thanks for this morning. Um, thank you that we get to come together and we get to sing. We get to sing things that are true. Um, nothing is more true, Lord, than the fact that you came into the world to save sinners like us. We rejoice in that this morning, Lord. Father, in the time that we have together, would you just help us by your Spirit and through the great, great gift of your Word to continue to worship you um, open the eyes of our heart that we could see wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you guys are old enough to remember when TV didn't have all these specialty channels? So, like, your channels on, yeah, so it was like three, five, and eight. You had NBC, CBS, ABC, uh, Maybe uh, Channel 43 out of Cleveland. Anybody remember 43? Yeah, Channel 43 out of Cleveland, like the local, the local channel. And you didn't have all these like specialty channels, like uh, you know that just had sports, like ESPN. If you did, if you did have ESPN or just an exclusive sports channel, like you were paying through the nose for it. Um, but uh, you know, you didn't you didn't have channels that were just devoted to history or to food or to animals, you know. Uh, or to uh, remodeling your house. I mean, isn't it funny? Like, we, like HGTV. Any HGTV fans? Yes? Chip and Joanna? Anybody? Get a shout out for Chip and Joanna this morning. Fixer Upper. Love Fixer Upper. 
Um, we watch a fair bit of, of HGTV. <coughs> uh, uh, it's good. Chip and Joanna, Property Brothers, all that, all that good stuff. One of the things uh, that, I've, that I've noticed about those shows on HGTV, you know, fixing up homes, uh, to my knowledge, there is, there is not a show uh, on HGTV that uh, just shows builders who build um, kind of like cookie cutter homes. Do you know what I mean? So like every show on HGTV, whether it's Fixer Upper or, or Property Brothers or something, they're all, the, the shows are all built around these people that do like custom homes, custom remodels, where everything is one of a kind, right? Because that's what we want to see. We, we're drawn to the uniqueness of the design and the materials and sometimes like, you know, uh, uh, Love It or List It? Anybody watch Love It or List It? Yes, you know, can, can you make this space work, you know, that we're, that we're, curr that we're currently in? Uh, there, there's just not a show, and it wouldn't be that intriguing if it was, you know, um, builders would just, you know, go into these allotments and just slap up, you know, cookie-cutter homes where everyone is the same, uh, same design, same layout, maybe a slightly different siding color or paint color or something, or something like that. And I say all that because in the text this morning, just the one primary big idea that I want us to get and that Peter is laying out for us and that Peter wants us to get is that God is building something. God is building something. And God doesn't build cookie-cutter homes. God doesn't build homes that, that all looks the same. He, he's building a house that is distinctly unique um, in its design, in its foundation, and, and in its purpose. Uh, and that's what I want to look at this morning because God uh, is very explicit in this passage and as well as many others that he's up to something. He's doing something. Uh, and again, what we're going to see in the text this morning is that he is building something and we are, and we are a part of this something. Um, just kind of a little aside one of the things that helps me when I'm studying, whether it's for a sermon or just reading the scriptures on my own, uh, and just a little devotional thought, and I hope that it helps you as you read the scriptures, but a good question to ask as you're reading the Bible sometimes is I ask myself this question, hopefully this makes sense and you'll find this helpful, but is I just ask myself sometimes, what, what is God doing in the text? What is he doing? Because we, we come to the text so much and we want to find out like what? we're supposed to do, and that is there, like there's implications, there's implications here, here this morning, but the Word of God is, the Bible says about the Bible, that it is living and it's active. It's living and it's active, okay? Um, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and so when we come to it, many times it's helpful to think about what, what is God doing in this text? And again, what He's doing in this text this morning is he's building something. He's building a place for him to dwell. As he says here, the image is, is, is quite clear. It's, it's weird, uh, but it's a good weird. It's an awesome weird. It's a little bit strange, but it's spectacular when you stop and think upon it and meditate upon it. He says, as you come to him, verse 4, a living stone. Now that's the peculiar part of this, right? Because stones aren't living. Are you with me? Yes, stones are not alive, but this stone is. This stone is. And this stone is Christ. And 
he goes on and he says that we ourselves then, like living stones, so there's the living stone, which is Christ, and we are like living stones, and we are being built. And who's doing the building? God is doing the building. We are being built up as a spiritual house. We are being built up as a place, as a place for God to dwell. And so as we unpack what God is building here, I want to look at three different aspects of what, of what he's building. The foundation, the structure, and the purpose. The foundation, the structure, and the purpose. First of all, the foundation. And this is where, uh, in the few verses that we're taking, Peter both uh, kind of starts and ends. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, and this stone is Christ, okay? And if you look, and this is the primary thrust of this text, that, that in verse 7, Peter's going to quote, so from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. And so Peter, being a good preacher, he's not just making stuff up, although he was an apostle and there were things that God, you know, new things that God wanted the apostles to share, like him and Paul and others. Um, but he's using the Bible here in his letter, in this uh, sermon that is in writing from, from Peter. And he's quoting from the book of Isaiah, and here's the foundation, here's the center of all that's happening. God says in Isaiah 28, and also in verse 7 here, he says, behold, behold, is it, I know it's kind of an old English, you know, kind of Shakespearean word, we don't say, oh, behold, it's raining outside this morning, and so we just kind of tend to, you know, uh, kind, of, kind of gloss gloss over that, but the command here is very explicit, is what does God want us to do? Look! God says, look at what I'm doing and folks, this is where we need to start when we come to the Word of God, when we gather together just in following Jesus. Get our eyes off of ourselves and look at what God is doing. Because what God is doing is always amazing. It's always supernatural. God, being who He is, eternal and omnipotent and omniscient and all those big fancy theological words, He cannot do anything that is not supernatural. And most of the times, the reason we don't notice it, the reason our hearts are not overflowing with joy because we're caught up into the wonder of what God is doing is because our eyes are not looking at what he's doing. We're not obeying this command to behold, look at what I'm doing. And what is he doing? He says, I am laying in Zion, in heaven, a stone. It's a cornerstone. It's the, it's the idea, it's, it's the foundation of everything. It's a foundation stone, and it is chosen, and it is precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, that is what God says he's starting with in this building project that he has undertaken to do. But what does man think about this cornerstone that is chosen and precious? Jump back to verse 4, this living stone. It was rejected by men. Rejected by it. So one of the things on those, you know, remodeling rehab shows is many times one of the things that makes the space unique is they use uh, refurbished or reclaimed wood or, you know, or whether it's, you know, Chip and Joanna, she's all about the shiplap, right? How many of you even knew what shiplap was until Fixer Upper came on TV, you know, like, shiplap, gotta have shiplap in my house now. Um, but, you know, they, they try to, they uncover this stuff under the walls and, and, and they use it, even though it had been covered up, kind of rejected by men, but they'll try to re reclaim it. And that's the idea here in some way. 
of what God is doing in the text, part of the glory of what God is building is the fact that he uses things that we didn't think were usable. And he doesn't just use them, but he puts them as the centerpiece. He puts them as the foundation upon which all else is built. We rejected Christ. Every one of us, like sheep, had gone astray. Each one of us had turned to his own way. But God looks at Christ and looks at his sacrifice and says, it is precious and it is the foundation of everything that I will do. And, um, and there's a certain glory that God reserves for himself uh, in using materials that man thought were worthy to be rejected. You know, guys, uh, just even, I was thinking about this, this idea this past week as I was studying for this, and, um, and they, they didn't kill Jesus just because he wasn't good looking um, outwardly. I mean, he was a man, he came in the flesh fully God, fully man. But, but do you guys know that like Jesus wasn't like the guy that was going to be on the cover of People Magazine's most beautiful people in the world? Like you know that, right? Like the Bible explicitly says that. Um, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2, it says, he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Listen, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So outwardly, Jesus was not like, you know, the Hollywood Jesus with the long, you know, the, the beautiful blue eyes and the clear complexion and the long flowing blonde hair, you know. It wasn't Outwardly, he wasn't that good looking. Now, that's not why they rejected him. We rejected him because he claimed to be God. And in his claiming to be God, we knew that if he claimed to be God, and if we said, yes, you're God, that means that we would have to listen to him, but we don't like to listen to people. We don't like to have a Lord over our life. And so when Jesus claimed to be God, along with that, with his right to be God, gives him the right to dictate the terms of our lives, that we're not our own, that we were, that we were bought with a price. And that's ultimately why he was, why he was killed. Um, that's why we rejected him. But what he did in the sight of God was precious. And I just want to stop this morning and just ask us for a second. Do you think that you count as precious that which God counts as precious? Like, do you value the things that God values this morning? Because what we see here in the text again at the beginning is that, is that we tend to reject the things that God values. And I think it's possible for each one of us in our lives, again, as we're talking about what God is doing, what God is building, that we can value other things, that we can... Um, think that he needs to have his focus on something else, should be doing something else, but what he's doing is working everything together uh, to exalt Jesus Christ. See, in this building plan, I know we're just talking about the foundation, which is Christ, but it's explicit in the text that he is what is most important. And God, I, I just want to, you know, just stop for a second. I think you'll agree with me, is that we tend to think that we are most important, right? We tend to think that, well, Jesus came and died for me, and he forgave me of my sins, and so it must be all about me. Eh, <laughs> like, there's, there's good news there, and without question, there is unbelievable benefit, and he loves you as his child, as a father loves a child, and that is real. But, or maybe to put it back in, in the, 
the imagery or the metaphor that Peter is unfolding for us here, as we'll see in just a second, we're a part of the house, but we're not the most important part. We're not the most important part. Christ, Christ is. And in what God is doing and what he is building for his honor and for his glory, and we'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about the purpose of this house, um, in the end, Jesus is the one that is supposed to get the glory. He is the foundation. Secondly, and we'll spend some time on this, and this is where we come in here in the text, uh, is that the structure, the structure is, is us. It's us who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And so verse 5, he says, you yourselves like living stones. Jesus is the living stone, but you yourselves like living stones. So like we're not the stone, we're not the foundation, and we're living stones only because we're built upon the living stone. And so he's the source of life, but we ourselves like living stones are being built upon him. And so God is Again, in this, what God is doing in the text, he's building something. He's, Christ is the foundation, but we are part of the structure with Christ underneath us, undergirding us. And the image of stones here is very interesting because I don't know if you guys have ever built like a stone wall um, or tried to stack together stones. You know, like when we were kids, uh, we would go down to the creek and play in the creek, and we would all, you know, we'd try to like make a dam, and so we would get a bunch of rocks, you know, and try to fit them together. But the rocks, they're not, rocks are not bricks, right? Stones are not, are not bricks. They're not, they're not cinder blocks. They're not uniform. And so in order for it to be built together correctly, uh, it takes a wise master builder that's able to see the uniqueness of each piece and how it fits together. And, and again, th- there's a certain glory here reserved for God. And, I, and Peter, I think, wants us to just stop and kind of think upon the image that he's putting forward here, even though it's kind of a weird one, of, of living stones. Why not living bricks? Why not living cinder blocks? Here's why, I think. Because each piece is unique and different. And it glorifies the master builder to be able to take all these different pieces that are different. You and I, who are all made differently, all in God's image, yet each one totally unique. Just like, isn't it an incredible thing that there are no two snowflakes that are the same? Is that not incredible? And there are no two human beings, whether saved or unsaved, that are, that, that are the same. And within the church, There are no two Christians that are the same. And God is taking us, and he's forming us, and he's building us together. And this is the way God builds. You know, it's interesting, as I was thinking about this this past week, I think I've shared this kind of this idea with you before. Uh, But as I really began to think about it and trace it back through kind of the the overarching story of the Bible, if you kind of run with this idea or chase this idea of building and stones versus bricks throughout the Bible, there's two places in the Bible where bricks are prominent. Do you know where they are? Babel and Egypt. In Babel, it's like mankind of found, stumbled onto this new technology. In, in Genesis chapter 11, it says that um, uh, they came, and uh, uh, let me just read it here. It says, now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. 
and they had brick for stone and uh, bitumen and mortar. And then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole face of the earth. Now, that's in direct disobedience to what God had called them to do. God had called them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Again, as image bearers, filling the earth with his image that he would be, that he would be glorified. But man, again, is in rebellion, even though he just wiped him out a couple chapters earlier with Noah and with the flood and all that. And so now they come together, and man, this is what man does. Man takes their bricks. And what does man do with their bricks? We make a name for ourselves. Also in Egypt, in Exodus chapter 1, you remember what the people of Israel were enslaved to. They were enslaved to the Egyptians making bricks for them. And, again, and building their little mini kind of pyramids and little mini towers of Babel. Exalting each one of those pyramids, you know, tying into a, a false god, a demon god behind it. Man builds with bricks. God builds with stones. Everyone unique. And I just had to stop and think for a second, and maybe this isn't interesting to you guys, but uh, again, as a pastor and kind of living in church land, and uh, it's a little bit of like pastor nerddom that you just need to let me share with you here this morning. But, it, but it's just interesting, like in America over the last 30 to 50 years, and the whole um, cookie-cutter, seeker-sensitive church growth movement, and the idea that you can just take this thing that worked over here and just do it here, and just do it here, and just do it here, and we just continue to just build with our bricks, our little cookie-cutter systems, all that we've tried to do, and that's not the way that God builds his church. God builds his church just like each one of us in this room this morning is totally unique. Mercy Hill Church, as a local fellowship, is totally unique because of the unique pieces that we have here. And Grace Mennonite and Carter's Orchard and a country, or not countryside, the branch, you know, church, all, all these different places, good, 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 good folks. We pray for them, love them, ask that God would move, would move in their midst. They're each, they're each unique. That's the way that God, that God builds. And again, this is really important for us. I know that I'm throwing a lot, a lot here and I'm like, who, who cares? I'll get to the who cares here in a little bit. But, but for right now, the reason, guys, that this matters is because when we come together, we're to be seeking the Lord together uh, in a way that we're continually kind of asking, Lord, what do you have for us? And by us, I don't just mean, again, the, guys, this text is not about the individual. It's not just about you as an individual unique stone saying, look at my uniqueness. No, it's about each one of us as unique stones and saying, look how God has fit us together for his glory. You understand the difference? Is that well, he's not just speaking here of us, uh, you, you know, be, being a, a, a priest, as we'll get to in a little bit, talking about the priesthood or, um, or just us as a stone. I had a, uh, let me share another nerdy moment. Maybe this whole nerd thing, it kind of followed me throughout my whole life. I think I've told you before that I used to be a big chess guy. I used to play a lot of chess. Anyway, it's all coming together now. Um, but I used to have a stone collection. Okay, I guess that's all right. Um, but, and, and I think, and, and I, I had a lot of pride in my stone collection. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I didn't find these stones. True story. I, I think like my grandma gave them to me. I don't know, grandma, if you remember this or not. But, and maybe she got them from like a 
garage sale or a flea market or something, but it was a little box. And in this box, there, I mean, there were like legit cool stones. So like, um, there was like topaz and uh, tur- turquoise, and I, those are the only two I can remember. Anyway, but these little stones, and they were like glued in, in this box. And I would like, because one time at school, <coughs> we were supposed to bring in these different stones that we found. I don't remember for what, and so I brought in my special stone collection. As if I like went out into the Andes Mountains and mined for these things or something, you know. Um, but, I, but I brought this thing in and I was very proud uh, of, of, of my stone collection. But all you could really do with, with my stone collection was just kind of look at it and go, oh, okay, well, that's, that's neat, you know. And, and sometimes, guys, I, and again, I'm, just, I'm saying the same thing over here and I'm grasping for language to try to get this into our, into our hearts. Is that, guys... Your uniqueness and your individuality, it it is beautiful. But the point of who God has made you, the way he's wired you, and the way he's gifted you, the talents and abilities that he's given you, they're not just so that we can all look and just go, ooh, 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 wow, oh, that's, that's neat. Look at this little collection of stone. No, the reason you were made and shaped the way that you're shaped is to fit within the body, in a way that glorifies the master builder. Are you with me? It's not just about our gifts. It's about our gifts upholding and serving others. Um, we are all upholding others, and others are upholding us. So again, if you have the image here, foundation, God building, like living stones, where he's each fitness in where he wants us. We are all upholding others, and others are upholding us, and Christ is upholding us all, but no one is upholding Christ. Let me say that again. We are all upholding others, and others are upholding us. Christ is upholding us all, but no one is upholding Christ. The Christ at the foundation of it all is to be glorified because we're fitted together in a way that that honors and glorifies him. And here's my question to you this morning, okay? Again, why I believe all this matters is that even though we're talking about this corporately and this idea of us being a priesthood and, and a dwelling place for God together, it does come down, though, to us responding individually to this idea of what God is doing in building in us. Because my question to you this morning is, like if I ask you, are you vitally, vitally connected to Mercy Hill Church. And again, some of you I know are just visiting, or you're just checking us out, or whatever, and that's, that, that's, that's totally fine. And listen, just for the record, like I, um, I, I don't think everybody has to come to Mercy Hill Church. In fact, I, this is, uh, it's not a boast, I'm just like telling you my heart, like uh, I have literally, we've had people that have come here for a while, and they just felt, for whatever reason, they just could not fit in, and they just could not get connected. And I have, man, I, I literally, I have laid my hands on them and prayed for them that God would lead them to the right church if it wasn't here. Like, I'm totally, I'm totally cool with that. Like, I don't think everybody has to come to Mercy Hill. But if you call Mercy Hill home, okay, if you call Mercy Hill home, my question to you is, are you vitally connected to our body? What do you mean by vitally connected? I mean, are you connected in a way that, as the text says, as we're, we're, we're living stones that are built upon the living stone? Do you have life in you? Is there life coming from being built upon this living stone, which is Christ, but also life coming through the other stones around you that are both undergirding you and that you are upholding? 
Is there life coming into you and through you? If you are vitally connected into the local church, the way that God desires for you to be connected, as I'm trying to prove to you from this text this morning, then there should be life in us. Okay, yes? Are you with me? You follow? We are not dead stones. We are to be living stones. And it's possible to be connected in a way where we're like kind of half connected, but we're not really connected. And so therefore, we look like we're connected, but there's no life in us. And therefore, God is not glorified. It's kind of like when I was a kid, I, I broke this arm twice. Now, now hear me, when I say I broke it, and you guys know this, I don't mean like it, came, it didn't get chopped off. Like it wasn't like, oh, you know, here's my left hand holding it down in my right hand. Like it was broke, but it was like crippled. It, and that's why I mean, like, it wasn't vitally connected. It wasn't connected in a way where the blood was flowing right and that bone could heal right. And so what had to happen? I went into the, and the first time I broke it, I was jumping off a swing at my grandma's house. Sorry, grandma, you're getting mentioned in the sermon a lot today. I don't always plan these things. It just happens. But I was jumping off a swing in like the fourth grade or something at my grandma's house. And uh, uh, I was trying to grab onto this tree branch that was not far out, and I thought then I could climb into the tree. It was an epic, epic fail. I broke my arm. And I, landed, and, I landed, and I landed on my arm, and it was a pretty bad break. The bone wasn't like shooting through the skin or anything, but it was pretty jacked up. And I'll never forget, I can still picture this too, is like we went into Palmerine Hospital, and, uh, and they brought down a specialist. Like the doctor x-rayed it, but it was so broke that they called down a specialist. Uh, Dr. Gessler, I even remember his name. Is that weird? Anyway, Dr. Gessler from, from Worcester. Anyway, who was like a bone specialist, and he, and he had to set this thing. And so I was laying there in the bed, and they strapped both my arms and everything to the bed, and they strapped my arm like up to here. And then you know what he did? He took that thing. And I can still remember, I was laying there in the bed, and I remember he just torqued that puppy. I mean, just twisted it. All sorts of, and I can still remember over in the corner, my mom and dad were standing over here, and as soon as he did it, my mom just goes, oh, like that, and just like, just like turns away, because it, and, and it, it hurt. But here, here's what he was doing. He was, he was willing to inflict pain, and, um, and even, you know, some momentary discomfort out of love for me to get things set the way they needed to be set so that everything in my body would be not just kind of superficially connected, but vitally connected. You follow me? And guys, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to be connected to our local church in a way that both gives you life and that you are able to pass on life, that life is able to flow through you. And... Um, can I step on your toes a little bit? Yeah? Can, can I get permission to step on your toes? You're like, no. This is one of those awkward moments because like, what do I do if you say no? I'm going to do it anyway. A um, uh, couple of things. And again, church is more than what we do on Sunday mornings. Are you with me? Church is way more than what we do on Sunday mornings. But it's one thing that we do. And it's a time for all of us to come together and gather. Um, nationwide, uh, right now, uh, the statistics are saying that people, so, so Christianity you know, is in steep decline in the West. Um, and statistically now, even those that do say, yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I'm a churchgoer, you know how often they go to church? One to two times a month. 
And those, are, those aren't the people that are like, those are the people that are all in. In America anymore, that, that's what it looks like to be all in for Jesus and for the church, is one to two times a month. And, and this is where you're like, okay, it's nationwide, that's not too painful. Well, I'd say that almost holds true here. Not for everybody, but for a lot. One to two times a month, I'm all in. Here's my point. You're just trying to get me to come to the church service here. I, listen, I, if, you, if you don't belong here, I, like I said, honestly, I can say with a clear conscience, wherever God wants everybody, he's Lord of everybody, not me. But if you're gonna be here, guys, let's be vitally connected. Are you with me? Let's be vitally connected. And that's hard to do when we don't show up. Let me say something else. Um, if you, since your toes are already hurting, let me, let me step on them a little bit more. You know, you don't have to do it. Uh, it or I mean, not every church has to do it. We take communion here every week. Communion uh, doesn't have to be taken any week. I think I can actually make a case that biblically and historically when the church gathered, they did do it every week. But that's fine. You, you don't, I, I, not every church has to do that. It's just something that we've chosen to do. Um, it... I told you this was, I was going to step on your toes, okay? Um, but, like, when we take communion, like, that's, that's important. Um, and there's times where it's like, I'll notice it because maybe I'll just be coming down off the stage and maybe, the, but the worship team notices it as well. Is it many times when I close in prayer and then we do communion, I have everybody stand to come do communion, and a lot of times there's a mass exodus. Hear me. There isn't a one of us that on occasion isn't going to have to leave early. That's all I'm talking about. And I want you to be totally free to do that. But here's what I don't want. I don't want you to not do communion because you don't think it's important. You know why it's important that we do it? Because we're doing it together. Because we're doing it together. Guys, what unifies us is the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. And again, you don't have, like, not every church has to do it, or maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable with it because that's not, like, what you grew up with. That's just what we've chosen to do here, and I, and I can give you a good why for it, okay? The why is important, and maybe just because, and it, well, let me just give you the why a little bit. The why is, as I say this almost every week when we do it, because, guys, in the end, I don't care how, if I preach through every book of the Bible over our 30, 40 years in our time together here, or how much we learn, or whatever, like, in the end, all we ever have is Jesus and what he did for us. And the why is really simple. I never want us to forget it, ever. And sometimes a lot of the pushback we get, and I totally understand it with religious upbringing is people have been taught that this the time of communion is like you, you guys do that every week people are probably dropping over dead right because it says you know you need to search your heart and yes search your heart search it every week search it every day not just once or twice a year at communion church every time we come together search your heart and then when you find darkness there you say i've only got one thing i've only got one remedy and it's coming again in faith to the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. It's running back to the cross and saying, isn't God gracious? That's all we ever have. That's the why. That's why we do it every week. You follow? Yes? Okay. So just one last, so it, 
touches me a little bit. When we stand to do communion, and again, please, like, like today, if you have to leave early, it, like, it's okay, okay? <laughs> it really is. But don't walk out those doors when we do communion because you think it's not important. Because we do it, we do it together. And, and that's the thrust of this text, guys, is that what God has called us to do, and I have followed a ton of rabbit trails here, and I'm not even close to being done. Should have scaled back this back maybe even a little bit more, but... But if, but if I can just um, maybe begin to cut this a little bit short, and we'll come back and finish it up next week. But when he goes on here, he says, you know, there's the living stone, which is Christ. We're being built as living stones upon this. And, and then he, he switches metaphors. And this is true, you know, in the scriptures. The, the metaphor always breaks under the weight of the reality of what they're trying to explain. He says, you're being built as a spiritual house to be a what? To be a holy priesthood. And then he says, to what? And this is the purpose for which God is doing all this. Remember, I said foundation, structure, purpose. Here's the purpose. That we would offer spiritual sacrifices. So you've got, we're a spiritual house. It's the idea of the temple where God dwells, where his presence dwells. The priesthood that in the Old Testament, sons of, of Aaron, Levi, okay, were the priesthood. But now, in Christ, we're all the temple where Christ dwells, we're all the priesthood that ministers in that temple to the presence of God. We get to interact with him. And what do we do? We offer spiritual sacrifices. Here's what he's saying. All of this, all of this is about worship. It's all about worship. And not just worship. Listen, because th this is good, okay? So like right now, when I'm by myself um, and... Uh, as is usually the case, I'm the kind of guy that, like, I find something, and then I just kind of milk it till it's dry. Like, I'm kind of a, an addict to whatever I'm doing. And so when I find a good worship song, it's just on repeat, like, all the time. Right now, I'm listening to uh, uh, Highlands or Song of Ascent by Hillsong. Anybody check out that song? No? Okay, never mind. Um, it's a good song, and so I'm just listening to that all the time. And, man, it's good. Like, I'm trying to. When I'm driving from meeting to meeting during the week or I'm, you know, going to wherever I'm going to or whatever, driving around, like, I'm, I'm choosing in those moments. I have to make an intentional choice to not let my mind wander, to fill my heart and my mind with good theological songs and sing unto the Lord and worship because that's what I and you were, were created to do. Every moment of every day, we were made to worship. And so I choose to do that myself and I hope that and you can choose to do that yourself to moment by moment worship Jesus it's what you were created to do but again what he's telling us here in this text is as precious as those moments are of private worship or bible reading or prayer or whatever it is where you are you are as a priest ministering as unto the lord the idea here is not just of a bunch of individuals out there doing it but us together doing it worshiping together building one another up in our most holy faith, encouraging one another to worship God and encouraging one another that this, this is why we're, we were created. This is what we were, what we were created to do. Um, and again, where I started, my initial question to you was this morning is, are you vitally, are you vitally connected to the body? And in the end, the way that we worship Christ, the way that we are vitally connected is really simple. Again, we like to think that it's really complicated and so we just can't figure it out and that's why we fail at it. It's hard, but it's not complicated. Is we delight 
in the love that Jesus has for us and we love other people. That's what we do. We love them. And in the end, guys, it's love that is going to fit us together. It's love, uh, Christ's love, in us and through us and where he places us, but then that love willing to come through us so that we are vitally connected and the life of the living stone can come up through us to a watching world and that the presence of God would come and dwell with us in power as we obey his commands to love one another and to abide in him. Worship team, you can come up and we're going to close. Uh, I'm just going to cut it a little bit short. I feel like this is of, of the Lord today. Um, and Diane, I'm going to ask you to come up and share. I asked, Diane shared something this morning, and I think this is fitting just to end here. And I, I really feel like this is what the Lord would have for us today. Is at the end of our prayer time uh, this morning, uh, we were, uh, you can just stay down front, I'll come down. At the end of our prayer time this morning, um, we were just talking uh, just about this and praying about the body and um, just how we need to be one, how we need to be unified and together. Uh, and Diane shared something that was just really simple, but it was, it, was really, it was really powerful. And I asked her just, again, an hour or so ago before we came out here, if she would just share it uh, briefly with us today. It is very simple. Um, we have prayer at our house on Thursday evenings for missionaries for the persecuted church, and anybody's welcome to come. But Paul and Miriam often come, usually come. And every single Thursday as they leave, Miriam wraps her arms around me, and she tells me she loves me. And why that impacts me so much is nobody makes her do that. She's not my family. My family tells me they love me, but nobody else ever tells me that they love me. But her telling me that she loves me ministers to me. And so it's just the simple, I love you genuinely from our hearts to one another that can make a big difference. Amen. Thanks, Diane. And guys, I, as simple as that sounds, in the end, I think that's all that Peter's trying to get to in the text that we looked at this morning. Is that you and I is that what he's building, this house, these, again, individual stones and stones with some jagged ed edges that kind of poke into us and make us uncomfortable and all that. Here's what he wants. Here's the place where his glory will dwell, is when we come together as a local church and with sincerity are able to look one another in the eye, as Miriam does to Diane every Thursday, and just say, I love you. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And again, um, I've already stepped on your toes this morning, and uh, so we might as well go for the whole thing and make you really uncomfortable now. But, but as we do communion today, here's what I ask of you, okay? Is that every week we come up and, and we're, we're taking it together, but we're kind of taking it separate too. And, you know, sometimes we pray with maybe just the person that came with us or our family, as I, as I do. I always take it with my family. Um, I'm not going to orchestrate this. I'm not going to divide it into sections and you guys all do it together. But I want every one of you to look for somebody else that's not a part of your immediate family. You can still have your family involved, whatever. Your families take it together. But I want you to take communion together. I want you to come up and to receive it. And then you can stand here in the front. You can go over to the side. You can go stand in the back. 
where there's a lot of room. But I want you to get with at least one or two or, or more other people that you don't usually take communion with. And before you take it, I just want you to look at at least one person in that group and I want you to say, brother, sister, I love you. And so does Jesus. And then take it together, knowing that this is what love is, is that Christ poured out, he laid down his life for us. Can we do that? Yes? Okay. Stand. Stand with me. And we'll do that.